Experience sound redefined at Harvey Norman. Get room-filling sound with the LG Soundbar with wireless subwoofer. Easy to set up and powerful bass. Perfect for any movie night in. Now just $199 saving €30. Or feel part of the action with the Samsung A550 Soundbar with wireless subwoofer and 3D surround sound. Now $349 saving €30. Shop our full range of soundbars online at harveynorman.ie or in-store. Sound redefined at Harvey Norman. Your specialists in sound. Welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast, a place where we are changing the narrative and having progressive conversations about black fathers, as well as creating a safe digital space for the community. This is the Dope Black Dad podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. The way and the reason why I'm talking this way, firstly, because I woke up at 8am to record a podcast that we did not record. That was a really good start. So I'm super tired. And also, it's the end of Black History month, the month is over. History is still being made, but I can get some rest. (laughs) No longer am I doing four Zoom calls a day, talking to the government departments and the local businesses. And I'm talking to, actually, Camden cancelled today. So that's a lie. I'm still working. But like, it's a lot less than it was. So yay, Black Christmas is over. How are you feeling post-Black Christmas, Marvin and Marlon? I, I just feel like they need to give us the whole year. (laughs) <laughs> you know, let's just we, we started with one month now let me just got to increase it now to 12 i think yeah i'm for that definitely i'm with you there 100 percent has to be a 12 month thing isn't it it should be like a week every month yeah mm. yeah black just to ease them into it yeah, yeah exactly yeah. you guys are channeling your inner colonial spirit just like we'll take, we'll take all of this yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly, yeah. we'll give you the other three weeks but we'll take yeah. these and these are ours exactly like, yeah. 100%. why people shit ever so there are a couple of things that came up this week that i'm finding firstly hilarious firstly as main night supporters i i connect with you I connect with you <laughs> not from the history of when you were good when you were younger but in this murky grey area where you spend a significant amount of money buying some of the world's best players and then put a nursery teacher as a supervisor of these world-class players (laughs) and you sully in mediocrity. How does it feel to be a supporter of a mediocre football club? Which part of the body tingles as you watch them? Is it a mind? Is it the chest? Is it the stomach area? Is it the knees? How are you feeling? Do you know, I I still feel like we're going to get like a Roy Keane at some point. It's like McTonney, <laughs> McTonney's just going to step up and just do a Roy. I still feel like we're going to be great again, but it's like every season is, you know, it's by the, by the grace of God, we became second, but we're sort of dwindling, aren't we? And like, it's, we've got a 36 year old who's, you know, sort of over his prime, who is literally carrying us and, and it's that age. Isn't it two thirty-six year old? How old is Cavani? Is he thirty-four? Thirty-five? How old is he? Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's thirty. So two elder statesmen. <laughs> ah! It's like so basically, it could be you two up front. Great, go on, tell them what. I feel like I feel like it's everyone's dream, isn't it? Because United done so much in sort of the nineties and and the early two thousands, and everyone was waiting on this demise as soon as uh, Ferguson left, and you know n- now look at us getting patterns or just about Pretty winning much, yeah. or you know what I mean it's you know we, we, I feel I know how Arsenal supporters feel like now 
No, you don't. We yeah. don't have these problems. <laughs> See, our problems here is that we're so far from the finishing line that we just focus on like our running technique, you know, <laughs> people in the crowd. You're like, should be in the pack, but you're at the back of the pack. That hurts more. We know who we are. You guys were like, we could win the league. Oh, this is the title winning team we have here. But unfortunately, what you didn't think about, and, I, and the first thing is, I feel uncomfortable referencing the age of Cristiano Ronaldo as a reference point as to why you are not doing well. It's ageism. <laughs> and he's still your best player. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I think the whole thing of like, you've got to run around like a headless chicken is pointless. You have mm. 10 or nine other men who can do that. His job is to be the most impactful in the places that matter. And to be fair, even when I watched him the other day against Atalanta, the second goal that he scored... He basically made it all happen by himself because he started out on the left. He did some tricks and some flicks. He ran back out around the side, came back in. The ball got muddled in the air and it came back to him and he scored from outside the area. Mm. What are your complaints? Well, I mean, there is none on his behalf. You know, he's doing absolutely great. But I just don't know what is missing in that team. Is it it Ole? Is it it Ole? Is is he the, you know, the person that's not, Getting, I think what Ferguson was brilliant at was, um, you remember Darren Fletcher? Mm. Darren Fletcher out of 10 was a three. And mm. Ferguson had him playing at seven. Not for mm. his technical yeah, yeah, ability, yeah. but, 100%. you know, running up and down. And he was doing he was doing a madness, mad touches. He, his heat map was, was cold. And Ferguson was doing that with all of the players. So as soon as they stepped onto that pitch, they're working as a team and everyone was working. And I don't think Ole has learned or got, you've either got it or you don't have it, you know what I mean? To mm. to motivate people. He's not motivating that team. There was something at the beginning of the season that I saw, which was brilliant. United were playing really, really well and, you know, Pogba sort of coming to his own. And I think he's only doing that because he's going to get a transfer in the summer. But now he's pissed off. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, bun you, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he's basic, he's basic. Pogba is the black person at your job who's just like, when your manager's full of shit... <laughs> Everything just down tools. You start shopping. Yeah. You start yeah, shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming back with wrapping paper, wrapping the presents. Yeah. Wrapping the kids' presents at lunchtime. Eating stew yeah. chicken. Yo. Eating stew chicken in the hallway. Wrapping presents. Do you know how gangster that is? Oh. Just to bring in a roller and just wrap. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, during the staff meetings in the mornings, just eating, just eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornmeal yeah. porridge, just eating it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a Zoom call just like in your beard like yeah. oh shit sorry, sorry. <laughs> shouting at the kids online like move move can I tell you again Junior get off him get off him Junior <laughs> it's, um, it's so funny girl. I was talking to my friend yeah, and I, I did my like my patois voice and it's always in the voice of a black woman isn't it because it's, it's the only voice that I know and it really made me think like not, not to be traumatic but I was like I don't know any Jamaican old man voices like I don't have it it's not in my artillery. I don't even know what that sounds like cussing my granddad was so stoic man he just grunted and eh, and he'd be like oh, no, no. we're like huh what do you say, my dad? Mister, what is it? Oh, this is out. This is like, oh my god. My granddad was Guyanese, and um, we had a few exchanges. He, he'd come in, he would say hello, very rarely. And then when yeah. we did make eye contact, he'd be like, school? But like, yes. Yeah. Read your book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Behave. 
<laughs> that is masculinity parent in 101 yeah, and then he'd be like he'd go and get the job like sweetie <laughs> see, you, see you next time do, do you know what's really sad yeah is that in that after he'll go home and be like oh I went to go see my grandson and we had a really good chat <laughs> <laughs> he's such a good boy he's such a good boy I think men of that era basically just like harden themselves Hard. in silence because it's funny because my, my uncle was telling the story of like, I think I said this before, but he was telling the story of like his parents coming over on Windrush. And he was just, the way he was talking about it just made it sound like the men got eroded. Like mm. he wrote, and he just, he was just like, the women always ran things. Always. Yes, men were violent. Men were trash. They were cheating, creating families in multiple places. But they just ran things. Like the proactiveness of what the house was going to be, what the family, mm. what the tone for the family was set by them. The only thing he was brought in to do was discipline. Mm. That's when he came in. He came in when it became more physical than they probably could handle. And it was like an and. And I think men have just always been, well, the decent men that have stuck around, have always just been the and to the plan. And then the more we've been asked to show up and have a view for our family and like what the strategy is going to be, that's steeped in whiteness, you know? That's not us. Like our, our, us is like the mum runs everything. She gets the yeah. money. She ran the budgets, the where the what the food is going to be, yeah. da, 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 paying the bills. And we were to go create as much as humanly possible. But I think in that lonely pursuit, I'm not trying to create a romantic size of like, bullshit masculinity but like in, in that in that pursuit is quite lonely and I think this is where some of the disconnect came but then when we try to come together and be present like if you ask a man to be present in a project even if it's group work even if it's like a team meeting in the office yeah he just holds a view he's got to say it he's going to say it out loud and then it becomes like a pressure it's like, it becomes like battle of are you going to listen to my work because you've asked me to have a view now if you don't ask me to have a view you're going to get monosyllabic grandfather here who's just like saying that to you but if you say like oh get involved be a proactive parent and then now I'm in oh I'm in alright so what are we doing <laughs> and, and I think I think a lot of it is just um, a slight disconnect this is a long way away from Man United but I feel like yeah <laughs> I, I, I do feel like that generation of men that's what they had to offer and, 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 it, and I just think like anything else wasn't asked of them no one asked them how, how. How do you feel about Jonathan's schooling decisions? They'd be like, "No, don't do that." It'd just be like, <laughs> "What? You never go to school?" you're not going to school. I beat him. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, and they give the impression on the outside as well in terms mm. of what they were going through at work and everything else. I think that also affects the kind of the, the image in the home. Mm. You're being emasculated in your day to day life as well. Mm. Look, man, I I I don't want to make some of the heinous things that happen because I, I always think about fences. It's usually my reference point when I think about that type of man because the character Troy, I wrote about him in the book, but the character Troy, for me, it's, there's, there's a part in fences where he, he he's now got another woman pregnant and he's trying to explain to his wife, Rose. He, he's, he's saying, he's basically saying, I cheated on you, yes. And the rules of cheating in that time were like, no kids, no diseases, don't let anybody else fight. Don't bring shame to me. Yeah. And now he's obviously had a child with this woman and he's trying to explain the rational logic of why he felt he needed to do that or why he wanted to, why he can't just leave it alone now, even at this point. And he's like, she makes me feel new. She makes me forget that I was like an under-celebrated failed baseball player. She makes me forget that like all I do is wake up, work all day, pass out, and then I think one of his lines is like, I try to smash a hole into you once a week. 
to blast away the pain or something like that or blast it into forever. It's really more, and it was just very well written, but it's a very morbid, dark understanding of masculinity. And we obviously have a bit more connection to it, but it just it just made me really sad. It's just one of the saddest, but not sad because it's like, oh, we shot someone. It's sad because it's just truth. It's the truth of like living. Like living in that is worse than like someone just punching you in the face or as a man or like dying. It's not, it's just like being forced to live like underwhelmingly for an ongoing period of time. Have you guys seen Fences? No, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it. I've That's my homework now. I've, I've heard it a few, I've heard people reference it a few times. I think you mentioned it once or twice as well. Um, I think there's that scene where his son asks, asks him the question, do you love me or something like that? Mm. So yeah, I know I know it's on my list to watch, but yeah, I haven't got around to it. Mm. You know, you know, like, remember the Weathers original advert? Do you remember yeah, the yeah, old yeah. one when the granddad's yeah. got the bag yeah. with the and he gives the child? I, 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 that stuck with me. I always wanted to do that with my granddad. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? And and the other thing I wanted to add is like, can you imagine what we are going to be like when we're grandparents? How in touch with our grandchildren we're going to be like that? So I, I, I've always destined to get to that Werther's original, you know, a place where I've. You know, my, I've got my granddaughter, my grandson, and then, you know, we've got the wooden swing on, on the tree in my big back garden. And I can, you know, I can communicate well with them. You know, here's, <laughs> here's a little toffee. I don't yeah, know why yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to have a Caribbean accent. But that's like, I was just thinking about it, like how we are going to be actual lit grandparents, like, yeah. like wicked. <laughs> I hope Marvel's gonna be grandparent first though, because your son's how old he? He's actually older. He's twelve. Yeah, uh, yeah bro. Um, the... My daughter's 13, 13 in December. Yeah, the, bro. The yes. math is not mathing. You guys are gonna be doing it at the same time. <laughs> we're, we're definitely gonna wherever we are in the world. No. We're doing an honorary podcast. We're bringing your son, and we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> Get really graphic. How did it happen? <laughs> it's it's one of those things that because it's quite far away from me. I, I mathematically I should definitely be in my fifties by the time it happens. And at that point I'm at peace, you know. Yeah, I'm at peace with it at that point. If I make it to fifty as a as a because you know I've got the beard thing going and the bald head, so I've been just been this age for the last <laughs> seventeen years. No one's gonna know any different. <laughs> and so the other thing I always talk to you guys about, yeah. So and I'm curious because I think. Love is an area and the passion that comes from love is an area where we all act like we got our shit together, but we probably done some dodgy shit, you know, just back in the day. I don't mean like illegal, but just like slightly like if people knew that you did that in love, they would either laugh at you or you'd be a little bit embarrassed. And so Claudia Webb, the uh, Labour MP, yeah, it's so funny reading like people's like tea in the in the news. But so Claudia Webb is a Labour MP. She made threatening phone calls to a woman because she was jealous of her relationship with her partner and has been found guilty of harassing her. So Claudia is 56. She was a Labour MP. She's now independent. She's been given one charge of harassment. And so that she made several calls over two years and threatened the woman with acid, which is mad. After the verdict, Webb said she was deeply shocked and would appeal... I don't know. Why, uh, <laughs> for what? The prosecution said Webb of Islington, North London, made 16 calls to 59-year-old Michelle Merritt, a friend of the partner, Lester Thomas, between September 2018 and April last year. The court heard on the occasion that she made an angry call, used a derogatory term, and added, you should be acid. That sounds ambiguous. You should be acid is not, I'm going to acid you. Anyway, like, have you ever had, like, an actual love rival? that you were aware of 
I'm trying to think if I have. I don't, I don't think I've knowingly had one. But that just means women are very devious. Have you? No, nah, not, not that I'm aware of. And I think, in, do you know, and in that situation described, her beef is with her man. I don't get where people feel like it's okay to threaten, you know, the other person or to threaten, or in that case, threaten acid attack or whatever. Go home and beef your man because he's the one that's disappointing you and he's the one that he's the one that's being unfaithful. So, yeah, that she was just an innocent bystander getting caught in a crossfire. And, and it's probably mm. and he's probably got her so gassed. He's like, you know, she's harassing me. <laughs> I told her <laughs> yeah, to yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why he's, why he's an old Caribbean man, but I just imagine. No, your, I've been your telling accents her. are a whole been, thing. <laughs> I've been telling her to stop calling me. Stop yeah. calling my phone. <laughs> she got, and now she got the thing where she make me answer and she responds. <laughs> That's so wild. Have you ever like, gone through your partner's phone at any point? Just like to just... I did it when I was younger. I was just like, I don't know what I was looking for, to be honest. I think I was trying to find <laughs> some, some sort of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, and then you're just sitting there, you're like, something's, something's wrong, man. Something's going on. And then you go snooping around and you go find something really small and you make yeah. it huge. You're like, some guy being like, LOL. LOL, is it? <laughs> Who's Mr. LOL? Love out, love out loud, is it? <laughs> Turn it like into something sort of different. Um, I think I love my wife. I don't know if you've seen that with Chris Rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, has that, he has that argument. I think he argues about chicken or something. He just wants an excuse to get out of the house. Mm. And he's arguing with his wife about chicken. But yeah, it's the same thing. Like, but I think you're right. If, you, if you're looking for the phone, you're looking for something. Because no one ever looks through someone's phone and then congratulates them on not having something. Yeah, the only yeah, time yeah. you hear about it is when there's smoke because something's been found. So I think, yeah, you're just looking for trouble. It means you probably looked about six times before. Yeah, yeah exactly. And exactly. this time you're hoping for an update. <laughs> Let, or, or you already found it, and now yeah. you're trying to be like, Trans- well, give me your phone. Yeah. Let me look for your phone then. You know exactly the name to go to. You know exactly what date the message was sent. Why is she sending you this? And it's like, you know. But in, in a weird way, yeah, it's just like that insecurity. Because I, I, I think, like, relationship, when people cheat on you or, or, or do that type of stuff, yeah, it just hurts so much that you would just do mad things to not feel the pain. But in essence, you just create this, like, present feeling of, hor- of horridness that is worse. Like, if you find yourself yelling at somebody because, uh, like, a message in someone's phone, you just lost it. Yeah, definitely yeah, 100%. But I also just think, like, you know, I think about a grown woman in her fifties and stuff. Yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't imagine in my fifties being like calling someone and being like, "You're acid," and you know, "You're this, you're that." Or as you term yelling, and then I think the husband, the boyfriend, is like turned up to court with her. So I'm just like, so you're still together then? This feels wild. What's going on? Just messy, man. Just messy, messy, messy. And, and you, you know, you know what? I think, I think at that age. Like, so in, they, you know, I don't know the full history, but they've probably been together a really long time. And mm. the, the thought of, you know, either or like, you know, right, if I haven't got my guy and we've been together for 20 years, you know, it's almost like now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. if I lose that, that, I think a lot of people have that fear, like women and men, you know, that are older, like if they lose their partners, it's like, how do I... You know, how do, what, what is next? You know, how do I go and date? Or, you know, imagine if your children are, are sort of all grown up and, you know, you think you're settled with this, with this man or this woman. And, you know what I mean? So that, I think that, that, and, you know, fear does, does a madness in our community, you mm. know, going in, going into that. Even, even if he, even if he was or entertaining her or something like that, that fear, you know, like this is my space <laughs> and this is, this yeah. is my, this is my love. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's why, yeah. Uh... I can only approach relationships from a 
a managed position. Like I, I think someone was telling me like, oh, you should be able to fall, fall hopelessly in love without having any control. That's when it's deeply authentic. I was like, really? That just sounds, that sounds like trauma. I don't trust humanity. <laughs> like I watch humanity, humanitize itself every day and it's all full of shit. Like the amount of acts and facades and like inauthenticity, lies, like everywhere, by the way. This is not like women, black women, girls at a particular state. It's just like people just are full of shit. Like how many people are actually living their realist truth? So these like ideological approaches to relationships that everyone puts out there, like if you can't love freely, you don't really love. It's just like, but I've watched you be full of shit in real life. And now you want me to commit to you that you're not going to do that to me. Why would I bother? And, and Just boundary. The, and it's the, the, the pain of it, like, like, it wasn't like dating when we were, you know, in, in our teens and 20s was, was mm. different. You, you hit a club and you could genuinely meet someone genuine. You know what I mean? But yeah. now it's it's like a mask. You know what I mean? Like I speak to some of my, my boys that are dating and, like the the lengths they have to go to because of what social media has written and you know like even for some girls trying to find a genuine guy at 35 is hard that hasn't been through trauma that hasn't got mad kids you know what i mean that isn't like a pathological liar um you know you've got a weed for all these things that isn't one of those financial literacy guys but got no money you know what i mean yeah yeah. (laughs) reading all the books but (laughs) this is my bookshelf and you look at it and you're like oh wow we ain't read a single one yeah i can tell you everything you could do with your pound but don't got no money (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh did you you bought bitcoin no 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 what you buy is ethereum and then every six months like that guy with the mock neck (laughs) <laughs> and the camel toe shoe, yeah. death to you, bruv. And the Mac, death to you, bruv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even I'm fed up of you and I ain't got to date you. Really? You're in my DMs like, hey, man. And I'm like, look at this profile. And everyone has the same profile. It's like oh, Bitcoin trader, yeah, lots yeah, of like yeah. money signs and ticker ups oh, and ticker down. God. I'm like, bruv, please don't like come to me. Like I run my coin my way. Do not make me have to buy into like your nonsense too. I don't even, um, I don't even understand it. Like, you know what I mean? Nah. I'm sure it works well in that world, but allow me. <laughs> I, I just feel like, yeah, they make you feel like you have to know this stuff. Otherwise you're a failure in life. Yeah. But you don't care about your future. It's like, no, I definitely care about my future, but I have no time to entertain, entertain that though. Yeah. I have a different plan, a different mission. And it's just like, all those people that are on Twitter and it's just like, Tesla went up 1.7% today. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, look, man, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, there's no heart in that. There's yeah. no passion in that. And I'm not saying, like, if you if you have the time and you've carved that time to do the simplest version of it yeah. and make it make sense, cool. I wish I bought Amazon stock 20 years ago. Mm. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is, it's just like the way it's being communicated is like, you're dumb if you don't know this already. Yeah. It's kind of like how how sometimes, like, women talk to men about if they haven't got to the spiritual enlightenment yet and they're not at peace and they're not aware of the most advanced version of conscious dating, conscious parenting, conscious presence as a man, you, you are not, we are disgusting. You're talk- it's like, sometimes the gift of awareness hasn't hit me yet. I don't know it. Like, it's just, it's a lot simpler. It's <laughs> just like, I don't know, man. A lot, lot, a lot, lot simpler. Like, people need to remember that, you know, like the KFC brother, whatever his name is, yeah. he didn't start his thing till he was 63. Mm. You know, people just need to, like, everyone's, you know, calling doesn't come 
at 25. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So if you ever yeah. got a Bentley in a five bedroom house by the time you're 30, just cool now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It will it will come to you. You know, you haven't found the right partner. Like some people didn't find true authentic love until they were 50. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. And, and yeah. maybe you wasn't yeah. ready for it. Maybe you had to go through trials and tribulations to get yeah. there. You know what I mean? To be able to love the way you need to love. Um, mm. But yeah, but bun those Bitcoin guys. No, all of them. All of them. If it, like Bitcoin, FX traders, all oh. of you can go jump in a vat of acid. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I thought it was only me. I get them adding me on on like Instagram. I don't even post on Instagram. But I get them adding me on Instagram every day. I get some type of Forex or some type of Bitcoin trader. Yeah, bro. It's just it's too much, man. I, bro, I, you guys I, need to be on, on Instagram, you know. It annoys me that I'm the only one visible on Instagram, bro. I want to do like a sick shoot where we all dress up and shit and look suave and do the slow walk. <laughs> I want to be those guys for like one week with the cuffs. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then we're like, yeah. and then someone's like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, you, that's you, Marv, with why. Nah, man. Do you know what? That's a step the brush. away from doing those dances as well, man. I can't, I can't take it. No, nah, come on. Let's be those guys. We're Bitcoin. We do a tour. <laughs> Listen, yeah. You know what was bad, yeah? So I, I basically, every time now and again, I just go and, re- like, Reels and TikTok are my, like, way of keeping in touch with the world, yeah? So mm. I just go through and just see the, the dubs that are being used and the like right, the yeah, songs yeah. and the like whatever. Yeah? I literally was watching these men do this. Like I feel like I got into a thread of men doing this with the cuffs and the, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, "What? Who has time to do yeah. this? Like what? <laughs> That's all that was going in my head. I, I can't imagine me ringing you two and being like, hey, jump online, yeah? Like, come yeah, to my house. Yeah. Nowhere. Bring, <laughs> bring the grey suit. Bring the grey one. The grey no, one. Yeah. If you wear socks, yeah. you're not coming in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring my cocoa bar. I left it at your house the other day. Bring that around. And then we're going to do a coordinated dance and we're going to rub our hands, play with our cuffs and lick our lips. Let's go. Listen, if I did that and my daughter saw that, oh Uh my God. She'd come and sit down with me and be like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is everything okay back home? Yeah. Can we pay our bill? Are we getting kicked out of our house? <laughs> See us free on tour, just like... <laughs> I think we, I'd be a meme. Dude. I'd do some facial expression and that'll be it. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll go viral as a meme. <laughs> It would be, yeah. And it's funny because there's a, I think it's BT and they go and research where all the memes come from, yeah? Mm. And it's always sort of mad innocent. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> this is why I hate the internet. Because it, I don't know if you've seen the one, yeah? It's a battle rapper and he's turning his face away. He's like, yeah, 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 that yeah, one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Bro, yeah. He's an actual battle rapper, an actual good one as well. He's not even like sideman rapper. <laughs> yeah. And the guy fumbled his words. So the guy fumbled his words. He reacted like that. And then that screen grab got yeah. found like eight years later. Wow. And he's just like, it's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I just like, that must be a pay. And he, how do you get coin off that? You don't get no yeah. coin off that. Yeah, you don't make money off that. Until they put you nah, in an advert. I, yeah, bro, you're not getting me, you know. You're not getting me. I'll keep no. it on my facial stuff <laughs> like this. This is how I feel. Even that, you'll, you'll get that as well. Someone will grab that. Someone <laughs> will grab that. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be the new Samuel L. Jackson. Bottom. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> even there's a woman with Michael Jordan as well when he was crying. And oh, they yeah, just they yeah. rinse that one. Rinsed it. <laughs> Even Idris, they got Idris as well with the coffee. They got Idris, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Like, and, and I think, like, I, I can see how it happens. You know why? Because, like, when you do repetition a lot or you just do things, yeah, you have to play a game in your head to go get through it all. Like, sometimes when I'm doing, like, 
either interviews or keynotes or whatever, yeah, I noticed that at a sheer lack of discipline, I'm just like vibing a little bit, doing a bit too much, start getting a bit safe. <laughs> you know, like, stop, stop, Marvin. Yeah. You're going to yeah, be yeah, like, me. I'm start swearing and shit. I'm like, yo, yeah. I need to wrap this up. But it's just like your brain just like, we got to do something to stay in tune because I'm repeating myself over and over again. And I just like, uh, that, that's probably my worst nightmare. That and just being negatively trending. Where like, the whole world is just making up shit about you. And they're just like, and, and the reason why he went left on the road here is because the Illuminati, if you fold the note in this way, it says go left for the devil. And that's what he did. And like, if anyone does that to me, I'm, oh. I'm just going to, I'm going to delete my whole, all my apps and go bed. Them, God. them dons as well, like them Illuminati dons need to just, oh, yeah. they, yeah, uh, another set, them Bitcoin dons. <laughs> and, then cons- <laughs> and then conspiracy dons. They yeah, just link Dots, we need to do a AJ, new segment. AJ lost the fight because he needed to win the fight, and basically, there's 100 million coming in, and now he's gonna beat him. He's gonna use the left and the right, and he's gonna go down in the third because that's what it says in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> AJ's in the Bible. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do you know what it is, yeah? I feel like people create really complex scenarios for simple things because they don't understand how people are successful, how people are good at what they do. So as soon as you are, you must have spoken to the devil because I work really, really hard and I'm not at Jay-Z level. So you must be talking to the devil because I work hard. And it's just like, no. Every time I watch people authentically make mistakes, yeah, they think they're doing something sick. (laughs) They, They think they're like... What do you mean that ain't that's not good, no? Nope. Like, nah, bruv, that's dead. And it's and it's funny how like even if you tell the truth, if it doesn't sound spectacular enough, so you might as well just double down and lie. Just make it up, man. It's fucked. I, I don't trust the internet at all. You you know, you know, like so so in line with what you're saying, like be being successful and those people who think they're doing enough to be successful. It's like it's like training. So once you train regularly, you hit a plateau. And then, mm. you know, you think, all oh, right, I'm running two miles, I'm lifting, I'm benching 100k, I'm doing sick. To get to the next level, you've got to run five miles. <laughs> and, mm. you, and you've got to do, you know, another 10 reps of 100. And then you've got to add something else in. That's the, the, they can't see beyond doing what they need to be doing. You know what I mean? Mm. <clears throat> that's, that's, where, that's where they're stuck. And that's where like a lot of these Bitcoin dons are, or <laughs> you know what I mean, all these all, all these other conspiracy dons are. It's like they're just stuck in this, you know, in this low key variant, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> like this time capsule of of what needs to, you know what I mean, like. Damn, like you know, Tesla's gone up one point two percent. Oh, you know when <laughs> when he ends world hunger, then you invest in Tesla. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, just like because I, I think it's yeah. Like the teaching that they give you in the Dharma Pataka, yeah, is about everything's about the laws of nature. Everything follows the cycles of nature, yeah. When you're in tune to the cycle of nature, i.e., there's an effect, there's a compound effect on everything, but it happens in a cycle, not always scientific. You can start to predict and narrow things down. But largely, it's just like, it could be just someone was tired today. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that simple. It's not their belief system, it's not their value system. It's just today they were tired. And so they did some shit. And now, now it's like, no, no, no. But he knew that like, AJ could have had like diary, could have bad yeah, food the day before. Yeah. He could have, he could have overthought in that moment where it's like, I'm, he's like, have you seen the videos of him talking after the fight where it's like, I'm done with the boxing science. I'm done with it. Have you yeah, seen those? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're really disturbing to watch, yeah? Because it's like, 
you can feel the frustration. I know Eddie Hearn was saying that he was sulking, yeah? But people have tried to make him this perfect being from the beginning. Like, perfectly sculpted, perfectly things said, perfect boxing. He's boxing ability. Ooh, I don't know. Like, if you're 22% stronger than everyone else around you, punch harder in their face. That's the game. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're trying to make him... Like, Tyson Fury is a, a student of boxing from, like, three years old, yeah? You've been boxing intuitively your whole life. You might not be able to outbox him, but you can punch harder than him. Hit him. <laughs> That's the game. And it's just Hit like, yeah, it, it may not work. It may it may not work, but I think like some of the mediocre mediocre opponents that he's faced, yeah, he's been trying to like box them out and crush them yeah. and break them down like he's Mayweather. But you're heavyweight. No one wants to see that shit. We want to see you punch Takam in the top of his head and then Takam fall to his knees and be okay. We don't. We don't want to see you like boxing him at distance and like jab, jab, jab. Like, it's not, and that's why I think most of his fights more recently have been really underwhelming because he just hasn't gone to war with people yeah. and fucked them up. Um, and so now he's frustrated. It's just like well, I've lost interest now. But sometimes, like with boxing, going, going to war can be your downfall because mm. you know it could have been waiting for him to go to war <laughs> and then tump yeah. him up because he's got weaknesses. So it's like it's like part science, but you know, part, just brawl, you know what I mean? Like, what point do you just, because, like, if I was a boxer and, like, I, I can imagine me trying to stick to the science, you know, you bob and weave, bob and weave, and then thinking, you know what, this guy's an idiot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to give yeah. him the one-two. I'm going to give him the old school, the playground one-two. <laughs> do, do you know who I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about Evander Holyfield, you know? Oh, did you watch that fight? He's, where, how, which one? The recent one? He, 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 yeah, he had a fight recently where he lost. That's crazy. So like, I feel like, yeah, when I watched him, he was filthy as a boxer. Like his head, elbows, oh, yeah, head shoulders. Yeah. Like he, he, he was he was basically like punching like this and his head was like a third hand. And it's like, <laughs> you think about you think about those things and you're just like, actually, Joshua could rough people up. He's heavier than everybody else. Like, use those things to your advantage. I don't mean just go in there and swing till you pass out. I mean, like, rough people up a little bit. Like, get inside, like, you know, tuck them down, weigh them down with your hands, weigh them down with your body. That's what Tyson Fury did to... I was going to say, that's what Fury, yeah. Fury leans on you. And yeah, he's got, but... like, an 18, 19 stone brother leaning on your back halfway through a 12-round fight. It's just going to tie you up. But I was going to say, so Evander Holyfield, he had, like, a comeback fight recently, you know? Um, Matt Tyson had the exhibition with Roy Jones, I think it was last year or the year before. Evander Holyfield tried it and he just got knocked out in the first round. Oh, is it? Like a, yeah, he was fighting an MMA fighter as well. And yeah, he just took him out straight. It, it was sad to watch. Don't watch it. That's it. Sugar warning. Don't watch it, man. It's, it's oh, how many of your heroes have you just lost to them just yeah. not getting out of the, out the yeah. court long, fast enough? I'm trying to think who else have I just lost respect for over time. But I'm struggling to find who I have respect for left. Will Smith is getting his ass handed oh, to him by his wife. Oh, God. <laughs> Every week. Yeah. Tupac is the true love of my life. I wrote a new letter to Tupac, yeah. even though he's dead. <laughs> Tupac wrote me a secret poem when I was with Will. <laughs> like, what? Dude, like, killing him. She's mad yeah. toxic, you know. Yeah, She's yeah. She's mad that. toxic. I feel so sorry for him. Like, he was definitely my hero. Fresh Prince killed it then the movies and I was like oh you know Jada beautiful woman they're gonna be like power couple and now this red table she is just she just kills him like every other month it's it's murder for him can you imagine like <laughs> he's like at the, at the at, at his computer like oh shit what's she gonna say this week <laughs> <laughs> damn I, I feel like yeah 
My my thing about Jada is that she's getting in tune with her truth, yeah? But her searching is like at the cost of someone that we revere. Mm. And it's like, what's up? when there's a weak link here, they just start doing mad shit that you have to deal with. So now he's going off to talk about his new film, King Richard, which I've seen, by the way. It's incredible. And in that, he has to sit there and talk about, oh, so you couldn't satisfy Jada. And you're like, well, that technically wasn't, um, what? <laughs> like, why? Let me live. Jake shopped up to 40% off with the Amazon Early Black Friday deals. So now he can be Big Cake Jake. And armed with his new seven-speed handheld whisk, he's treating his street to a whole new world of sweet. But first, he's taking a trip down to Icingtown. Get whisked away with the Amazon Early Black Friday deals, 8th to the 18th of November. I feel like Ibrahim's joined us, so I think we should just talk about you, bro. You've joined us. You've written a book, right, about... Is it African footballers? Can you give us a breakdown synopsis of what your book is about? Okay, so I've written this book. It's called No Longer Naive. It's a a sort of a history of African football at the World Cup, so the international teams and how the perceptions have changed over time and how it's basically gone from... African football being considered, for want of a better word, a joke on the international stage to now becoming, well, to, you, now we see how many African footballers there are around the world and how respected African football teams are and how the, how that has changed over time and what African football has done and how it's grown and yeah, and all the ins and outs and all the ups and downs that have gone along the way, basically. So yeah, what, it's, what um, you write this book though? Um, it's something I had in my mind for quite some time, to be honest. I, I'd read, I think it was an article many years ago, probably about 10 years ago. And I thought, you know what? I want to read a book about this. And then there weren't any books out there about it, basically. So I used to, I, I was making notes on like my phone like years ago about how I would construct this book. And then just never got around to doing it just through life getting in the way and things like that. And then, um, yeah, then lockdown happened. I'm going to say one of the big motivating factors was, um, the whole George Floyd thing, basically. Obviously, everything that happened then, it just sort of gave me a kick up the backside and made me think, you know, for personally, I mean, obviously the horror of watching what happened was just saying, okay, this is a guy who, that's the end of his story, you know? And it was just, okay, what, not on a selfish level, but just sort of on a a personal level, just kind of thinking, what if that happens to me tomorrow kind of thing almost, you know? You kind of think, what, 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 what am I leaving behind for my child and my family and things like that, you know? And so that's what prompted me into writing a book. But also on a second level of that, it was also the, the idea that we need to have our stories told. Essentially, there are perceptions that go, that are happening around the world about Africa, about people, just in general, basically. And I felt, you know, put this down, finally get this down on paper and, you know, actually tell these stories that need to be told about African football in particular and also the book also is not just solely about football it talks about things like colonialism and sort of the out out external influences that have caused problems within Africa as a continent just not just in football but as a continent basically so that's really interesting for me because I feel I spoke to Marvin Sordell this week he's a he used to play for Bolton and Watford and he used to play for Team GP at the Olympics and in the 20s and stuff Really, really good guy. It was so funny because obviously you speak to, you hear about somebody and his story about mental health and depression 
while playing football. I've, I've, I've spoken to him online and we communicated. He's in the What Don't Black Men's group. But then to actually have a proper conversation with him about it, I don't know why. Maybe I felt like there would be more affliction or a bit more of a... He feels in the room. He feels free and happy. Like it genuinely felt like football weighed him down in a way. And now he's out of it. He feels a lot more peaceful. He felt amazing to talk to. He felt refreshed. He was energizing me. And I was thinking to myself that is there a specific, and maybe it connects to colonialism in a way, but is there a specific experience for black football players at the highest levels or any level, which makes it really difficult for them to like be connected to it or assimilate or not go through mental health? And, and my reference points are Paul Pogba and how he's spoken about Delhi Ali and his dipping form, Jesse Lengard, Ravel Morrison, like those players. Like, is there something happening for those players? Also, and my last point, sorry, a lot of them don't play until very late. A lot of them stop at twenty at the highest level in between twenty nine and thirty two, and they don't go on to go play like how like I don't know, Milner's playing. They don't continue. Like, what is all of those things? Mainly, it's the spotlight thing. I think, particularly in this country as well. I think there is that attitude of uh, building people up to break them down. And I think that happens a lot with footballers in general. Uh, but I think for black footballers in particular, I think there is that added aspect of, you know, the whole work twice as hard to earn half as much kind of thing. So you are put under this spotlight and obviously it is going to weigh you down because people are looking at you to fail almost quite a lot of the time, you know? I mean, like I say, it happens across the board in football, but, you know, for black footballers in particular, there is that thing that's almost based on, you know, preconceived notions and stereotypes, like I say, talking about the book and sort of like Africa, about how attitudes and, you know, just not 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 being, not fancying it, don't like it up you, those, those sort of stereotypes that they talk about when they talk about black footballers. And I think as much as people try to move away from that, I think that still permeates in people's sort of perceptions when talking about black footballers. So definitely that will have a, a huge effect on people mentally. And once, you know, like you say, dips in form, that the hammer comes down on them even harder, it feels like. Yeah. Marvin Marlon, how are you feeling about it? I was going to ask a question about like what your thoughts are. You know, when people spoke about the, the France World Cup team and then if you took out the African players, <laughs> then they, they probably wouldn't have been a team. And I think there is largely that element as well where, you know, a lot of people aren't playing for their, I guess, their, you know, their motherland, their mother country, and they are playing for maybe a European size. So what, what effect do you think that's had on African football as well? Huge, basically. Um, one of the chapters I talk about, obviously, we remember the 2002 World Cup when Senegal beat France. France were the colonial rulers of Senegal prior to that. And they have Patrick Vieira playing at the heart of that team and being, you know, the king of sort of midfield, the midfield general, essentially. But in another lifetime, he could have played for Senegal because that's where he was born. But, you know, because of those colonial links to France, he ended his family ended up emigrating to France when he was young. And then he goes on to become a French superstar. But then the sort of the twist of fate that he was to play Senegal and Senegal ended up beating France with him in the team was um yeah quite an interesting one but um it is it's rooted in in the history of colonialism in the sense that you know these countries have come into Africa and looted literally looted um all the resources and of course people as well you know we can go back as far as things like slavery but even in sort of post-colonial times those links are still there which mean that you know, even from myself, my family from Nigeria, but we're here now because of that link that, that, that kept the countries together. You know, I didn't grow up in Nigeria. I grew up in England and by all accounts, I'm British, but you know, I, my family and I were from Nigeria, but we have lived over here for 30 odd years. So yeah. I, I was just going to add like, you know, um, remember Esprilla? Do you remember him for Newcastle? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so was that the first wave? And does the book cover that? The first wave of African players that that came to to the Prem or the first division. Uh, um, so well, it goes back sort of pr- prior to that. It goes to um, sort of nineteen ninety and uh, Cameroon and Roger Miller and everything like that, and just putting essentially black Africa on the map in football sense, basically the people sort of stood up and took notice. And then it was from then that players started to be picked up more. I mean, George players Ware. had gone before. Yeah. George Ware was a, George Ware is a prime example. That's yeah. He went to AC Milan. PSG in 96. I can't remember how much others though. George Wayard. Sorry. George Wayard did a madness. Do you remember when he, he took on like eight players the whole team. and scored yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and like, that it was like, um, but he did it with his with his weight. It wasn't like a messy bob and weave. He was, yeah. you know, barging man, holding man. You know what I mean? And and it's like the media couldn't quite fathom that. And that and I think that was like the raw. <laughs> these these yeah. guys. Do you remember Gazetta <laughs> Italia? Do you remember Gazetta Italia? I used to come on Channel Four and used to like talk about like the magazine show with James Richardson. Mm. They used to yeah. talk about like Italian football in detail. I used to love that show. It'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I remember watching that show, and that that's how you get to see like people like George Ware doing all that incredible stuff and all those incredible players. But I felt like Germany and Italy were much more advanced in taking on African players before England were. I can't remember the earliest. Uh, Tony Yeboah maybe was that the first yeah. you've got people like Tony Yeboah you had uh, Daniel Amakachi played for Everton briefly after yeah um, but yeah I mean beyond that there weren't many sort of like African footballers playing in England but yeah prem- when the Premier League started it was people like um, Tony Yeboah Daniel Amakachi Lucas Radaby yeah yeah and then after that the explosion just sort of kicked off late 90s early 2000s and then you know now we see you know you could I mean, there was a few years ago when Wigan were in the Premier League and they had like, they, I think they fielded like eight out of their 11 were black players who most of them were originating from Africa. So yeah. what, what would you have said that, that 15, 20 years before, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Arsenal trying to be that person now. They're, they're trying to be the Yobruff team of the Premier League, bro. Their whole team, Partey, <laughs> yeah. um, Gabriel, who else is in there? Didn't well, you've got say? Oba, Lacazette. Oba, you know, Lacazette, Saka, mm. um, Lakonga. Um, Tavares I think I think there was a, a point where we scored and it was like Tavares Gabriel Lukonga Oba Laka and Partey all in a huddle like celebrating on top of each other and I was like that's 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 yeah I mean because I was thinking that's what Wenger did that back in the day didn't he with the first the first sort of wave that mm. of that Invincibles team you obviously had Cole Lauren Toure Campbell yeah. Vieira Gilberto Henri you know so and that Vieira obviously yeah, and and that core of that team was you know was a, a fully black football team which yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, in a weird way, I'd like to see an experiment of like what would happen if the whole team was black. Like, sometimes I think about they they because what they try to do is make like us not team very seem very intelligent when we talk about our players that like, we can't lead or something like. There's always like so they talk about us like we're all pugbas, all of us, and they don't then talk about people like Campbell, Torre, Gilberto, Vieira, who were monster leaders, incredible, even Henri, super disciplined on the other side. But as a, I would love to see what would happen if a team like that did it. And obviously with the French team, there's loads of proof that we can win at the highest level. I just think the conditions have to be right. 
I think that's a big thing within Africa at the moment. I mean, and again, you know, I'm not going to say that Africa is completely innocent in the sense that, you know, all the problems there are because of, you know, colonialism. But fundamentally, if the, if the country, if the continent has been gutted of its resources, on a general level and you don't have the the ability to build up from the bottom up it's not just in football but across the board how are you gonna make that next step and that, that jump to that next level I don't know what the answer is but in future as if there is a way to sort of redirect the direction of travel in the sense that the best African players leave to Europe but rather the best African players stay in Africa and then grow and develop there, but are able to, if there are the um, facilities and the coaching and everything that needs to be sort of inputted within Africa. I think a lot of um, sort of former players, players like Drogba, Vieira as well, they've opened up things like academies within their mother countries. But again, it's kind of stopping those players from getting good enough and then leaving. You know, if you kind of get those players to stay, then we'll hopefully in sort of 10 years time we'll have African teams get to the semi-finals and finals of World Cups and you know potentially do things yeah Uh, do you want to tell people where we can get your book and where we can find you and and all those types of things we really appreciate you coming to join us because it was quite a nice we we were discussing literally um, May United's demise um, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's (laughs) entitlement and why he even has a job and I think that's another good question before you go like why why wouldn't someone like, why isn't, you know, York and Cole considered in terms of, like, managing Man United? How, how does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer go from being, like, the fourth best striker, fourth? Yeah, fourth best striker in the team, to being a manager of Mould, then being a manager of Cardiff, relegated back to Mould, and then going to Man United. Is that entitlement? Is that is that, like, white supremacy somehow playing? Or is that just, like, he had a really good interview? Again, it's it, it is stereotypes and it is perceptions and um, you know preconceived notions that people believe that you know oh they assume not necessarily assuming that black managers won't be as good. It's just the assumption that white managers are better. You know, <laughs> you know, just because Solskjaer he gets it. He talks about the United way and how much he loved Alex Ferguson and things like that and. People look at that and say, "Oh, yeah, he he he's the right fit for United." Whereas, if you are someone like Cole or York or whatever, I mean, I'm not sure how much they've progressed as coaches themselves, but they w- probably wouldn't have that sort of view put upon them. Basically, and it goes back to what I was saying when I jumped on. It was um that sort of tw- work twice as hard to get half as much. You know, I mean, you look at someone like Sol Campbell has managed in like the lower leagues. He has tried to cut his teeth down there. And by all accounts of the clubs he's done, I mean, he's gone into clubs which are pretty much on the, on the brink of just, just oblivion basically. And by all accounts, he's actually done a relatively all right job of trying to keep things steady where he went to South end and uh, Macclesfield and places like that. Yeah. But he, is never in the running for a job at the top level. You know, he he will always just sort of be considered like a firefighter down at that level, even though he has now shown that he is willing to do that. And he probably is potentially ready to make the jump. But, you know, it that perception that is just, it's subconscious that people will say, oh, no, 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 we just want the best man for the job. But there is that subconscious idea that, you know, someone like Frank Lampard was able to get the get the Chelsea job just because he played for Chelsea. But whereas, you know, 
if Didier Jogba tried to get that job, or would he SCN. be given the job on the yeah. same level? Or SCN, yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, I think it's still about perceptions. And as much as people want to say that times have changed or whatever, I think it's still a bit of a way to go. Yeah. I think people that are, are you know, are, I don't want to constantly hunt for evidence of racism. When I find it, I acknowledge it as it is and move on. But um, there's something in football that has like a, a underworld that has never really been discussed about. It's just institutionally oppressive and it's probably quite anti-black as well. Because so many black people don't survive it. They don't survive it as players. They don't survive it in terms of coach. We just lost Nuno Espirito Santos, which I appreciate he wasn't doing a fantastic job. But I think more importantly, it's like that job was already doomed to be terrible anyway. Like, given that give people the conditions to actually succeed, did a great job at Wolves for the first two years. So to see him now like that get fired after how long? Eight games, 10, 10 games? It's really, really underwhelming. Uh, Marvin Marlon, any closing thoughts for you? No, I just want to see more of Sprillias and Vieiras, and I'm I'm glad that Prem's is where it is. Like there's sort of like you know no quota cut on the amount of black players and African players that can you know uh, come into the Prem or come into the Bundesleagas or you know what I mean it, that is 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 wholly opened up. You know what I mean? It's still not like a level playing field. You know, I'd like to see a lot more black managers, you know what I mean? Like a lot more Lampards and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's, like a lot of these these guys are Sol Campbell's coming through or, or the Yorks or whoever's training to be coaches, like leading the Prem, that's that's where it needs to be. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. I was just going to say as well, I'll be interested to see what effect the African Cup of Nations has on the Premier League as well. Same. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Did you tell us where to find your book? Sorry, I remember asking. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anywhere where books are sold, I guess. Uh, so Amazon, uh, Wilterstones, WH Smiths. Yeah, it's called No Longer Naive, African Football's Growing Impact at the World Cup. Um, I'm. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ibrahim Mustafa. Um, so yeah, and um, I'm very much plugging the book on there. You'll see it's my profile picture and I've got a link to it and my pin tweet and everything like that. So uh, yeah, people like to go out and get it and uh, learn a bit about the history of African football and not just about football. It, like I say, it touches on um, a bit of politics, a bit of colonialism, that sort of thing. All, obviously all from a football perspective, but um, yeah, get yourself out there, get it. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone, Marlon, Marvin. appreciate you. Uh, we're back next week. I don't think we're ever going to get a topic ever again. I think we're just going to live life how we live <laughs> Yeah. Now yeah. Good, all right thank you all i really appreciate you right. see you later take care see cheers thank you right. and so thank you guys for listening i really much appreciate it we'll be back next week with another episode uh you can find us at at dope black dads on all social media platforms you can also email me for a chat at hello at dope thank you so much for listening my brothers i appreciate you all uh, we'll be back next week Get ready for Christmas with Super Value Online Shopping. Our Christmas delivery and click and collect slots are now open. Book your slot today at supervalue.ie to avoid disappointment. Share the magic this Christmas with Super Value Online Shopping. Christmas is coming and the countdown has begun. With luxurious treasures for everyone on your gift list, Kildare Village has the season of giving all wrapped up. Discover spectacular savings from more than 100 designer brands in one beautiful open-air setting. Enjoy complimentary parking and something delicious from gorgeous restaurants and exciting pop-ups under starlit skies. 
Christmas wishes come true at Kildare Village. Something extraordinary every day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.